listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Hello and thank you for listening to the ministry of Let the Bible Speak. Today we continue in our series of studies on the subject of the fear of God. And we're looking in particular at the subject of worship and how worship and the fear of God are connected. In so doing, we'll consider some of the evidence of the fear of God. The fear of God in our hearts produces a worshipping spirit towards God. In so doing, I am concerned that some may feel that they can earn, you know, earn God's favour by working up this fear. And so before we go into today's programme, I want to remind you that the fear of God is brought about in our hearts by the work of the Holy Spirit. In Jeremiah 32, verse 39, in the language of the covenant, God says, I will give them one heart that they may fear me forever. And in verse 40, I will put my fear in their hearts. It is through the rebirth that we come to fear God. But those who fear God worship God, as we'll see in today's broadcast. It is the delight of the child of God to both fear God and to worship his name. And may God bless his word to all of your hearts again today. Look at the Psalm 2, please. I'm not going to read the full Psalm, but again, the, the context, of course, is the opposition of the world and worldly rulers against the Lord's Messiah, against his anointed. Uh, we know it's messianic. It's referred to, of course, in, in the book of Acts, Acts 4, with regards to the persecution of the leaders against the gospel of Christ. And the Lord sets his king upon the holy hill, and that king that is Christ Jesus but at the end of the psalm, there is, again, this one text, verse 11. In Psalm 2, verse 11, I want to leave with you tonight. It is a, an instruction, a word of admonition to our souls. Yes, to kings and to judges, but to all of us, it says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. That's our text for tonight. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. We are, of course, returning to our studies on the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, a grace given by God in the new heart. Again, this fear not worked up by our efforts, but given to us by the Holy Spirit in the newborn heart. By God's grace, we come to fear the Lord. That fear given to us by God is an attitude of reverence. It reveres God, has a proper awe of God, uh, a reverence that arises out of love for the Lord, hatred for sin, and the joy of forgiveness. Again, this is different from the terror of God. It's a reverence for God that delights in God, that comes to hate sin and joys in God's forgiveness. Again, Psalm 130 is so important. If God is to regard our iniquities, none can stand. But there is forgiveness with thee, and the outcome of God's forgiveness is that thou mayest be feared. That's the attitude. It comes from a joy of God's mercy in our lives and a light to serve God and to honor the Lord. It's an attitude that in turn governs our conduct 
And we took time to consider that, how the fear of God properly controls how we think and speak and live. And we rightly think of the fear of God as an awareness of God's all-seeing eye. And that awareness that God sees all things, well, that governs our choices in the privacy of our hearts. God sees our hearts, and so even our hearts are governed by the fear of God. Of course, it also governs our privacy from the eyes of others. Though no one else knows or no one else sees, God knows and God sees. And hence it has that controlling influence in our lives. We desire God's smile and not his frown. And so our conduct is controlled by the fear of the Lord. Our fear of God governs and controls our actions. But when you consider the biblical testimony, there is a particular context closely associated with the fear of God. And it's that context I want to think about again this evening. And that area is the area of worship. Again, of all of the aspects of the Christian life, the, the subject of worship and the fear of God is very closely connected. We have in our text here the word to serve serve the Lord with fear. Now, this word to serve is used of the task and the duties of a servant or a slave to a master. And it's also used just generally for that word labor. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. And the word labor there is the same word that is given to us by the translation to serve. Over in Exodus 21, though, uh, Exodus 21, verse number 2 is used here. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve. And in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. So again, it's this word to serve in the context of, of the employment, the duties, the responsibilities of a servant slave to a master. And so some would see these words in Psalm 2, serve the Lord with fear, uh, in terms of our obligation to do the commands of God, to obey God, to, to serve God in that sense. But it is a word that is often used in the context of worship. And I think Psalm 2 is referring to, to worship. And again, in the commandments, in Exodus chapter 20 and the verse number 5, uh, when it comes again to the second commandment, it says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, that is the images, nor serve them, for I am the Lord thy God. I'm a jealous God. We're not to bow down or serve false gods. And in the sense, obviously, is that we're not to worship graven images. We're not to worship false gods. And so back in Psalm 2, when you think of that context, well, what is it, what's this word referring to? Well, I think it's referring to, to worship. And you'll note the parallel, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. So the trembling clearly is given some uh, breadth of meaning to the word to fear, and thus to rejoice and to serve are, are also then parallel terms. To serve is to rejoice. To fear before God is to tremble before God. And that, of course, I think takes our minds across then to the Psalm 100. Turn across to the Psalm 100. And again, you'll see here in the Psalm 100 how this idea of serving God is in the context of worship. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. 
Okay, so you've got here, serve with fear, rejoice with trembling, and now together serve with gladness. And then verse 2 continues, come before his presence with singing. And then verse 4, we enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. So without any doubt, then, this idea of service can indeed refer to the worship of God, to your adoration of God's name. And this is not surprising that when the Levites are appointed to the work of the tabernacle, that work is referred to as the service, same word, of the tabernacle. To worship God is to serve God. Again, we are not in any way able to add to God's glory. And so our serving God does not, if you like, does not add to his estate as our service may be in some earthly occupation. But our service for God is to make his name known and to glorify his name. And so Psalm 2 is referring to our worship being with fear. It's a command in the context of worship. And yes, to serve is an appropriate word. It involves obedience. And yes, we are to obey God in our worship. It does indeed seek the cause and the glory of the master. Again, earthly service seeks to further the estate of the master. Well, in God's worship, we seek to further the glory of God's name. That is his estate, that's his kingdom. It is the glory and honor of his name. And in praise and in worship, we promote and proclaim the glory of our God. So the word fits very, very well. And so we should consider this matter of worship as those who fear the Lord. Serve the Lord with fear. Very important to understand these words together. Again, I have just two very, very simple things to leave with you. First of all, we should note that those who fear God worship God. And secondly, those who worship God must do so in fear. Okay, so you see where we're going here? We're going two different directions, looking at the same issue, that those who fear God worship God, and those who worship God must do so in fear. So first of all then, those who fear God worship God. Now there are many references where the word fear is placed before the idea of serving. Again, you think of the entrance of the people of God into the promised land in Joshua's time. And you have Joshua 24 where he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And part of that is put away the false gods. Your fathers, they served false gods on the other side of the flood in Egypt. Don't you do that. Ye serve the Lord. But it's to those who fear the Lord. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him. But turn back please to 2 Kings chapter 17. 2 Kings chapter 17. Uh, again, this is an interesting passage. It has to do with the captivity of those uh, into Assyria and what happens to the Assyrians who come into the land and the development of the Samaritans. Uh, again, it's an interesting context in history. It's the beginning of the Samaritan race, if you like. But over in uh, chapter 17 and the verse number 35, and there's words regarding true worship. Uh, what does true worship look like? Well, it's worshiping with whom the Lord hath made a covenant and charged them. And what does God charge the true worshippers? Ye shall not fear other gods, nor bow yourselves to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. Okay, you see again the foundation of false worship is fearing false gods. Oh. 
Don't fear false gods. Don't bow down to them. Don't serve them. Don't sacrifice to them. But verse 36, But the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt with great power and a stretched out arm, him shall ye fear. There's the foundation. The fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom. And having feared him, him shall ye fear, and him shall ye worship, and to him shall ye do sacrifice. So those who fear God, they then worship. And the fear of God is the foundation of true worship. In Psalm 22, Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel. And so the idea is that, again, those who fear God will serve God, will worship God. And indeed it's worth saying that it's impossible to properly worship and serve God without the fear of the Lord. You see, under this idea, we should note that the fear of God arises from a true spiritual knowledge of God. We've seen this. There is no fear of God without proper knowledge of God. And what is that knowledge? Well, true spiritual knowledge of God involves a delight in God. Remember the fear that we're considering here, the filial fear, is not a fear of terror. And the filial fear, the fear of sons that we enjoy, is the fear that accepts God's law as good, that delights in God's goodness, enjoys God's grace. It's a fear that recognizes the goodness of God, of God and delights in all that God is, in all his revelation. Delights in God's revelation in creation, in providence, in his law, and in the gospel. We delight in God in all that he reveals himself to be. Now, terror will not produce praise, at least not true spiritual praise. Spiritual praise exalts the character of God, the character of the one that is feared. Terror, well, terror may produce reluctant, reluctant acknowledgement. And you may be terrified of someone or something in life, and you may reluctantly acknowledge their, their might and their majesty and their authority over you. You may do so reluctantly. But it's not true praise. Terror may even at times produce an abhorrence or a hatred for the object of the terror. You think of Satan. He's got the fear of God. Satan knows the fear of God in that sense of terror, and yet it produces, it produces hatred and abhorrence for God. You see, worshipping as a God-fearer sees God for who he is. The, the God-fearer, when they contemplate God, they, they will say gladly, Thou art worthy. There's an understanding of who God is, and they say, Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. That's the redeemed company and glory in heaven. The, the, the heavenly host praise God. They, they see God. They have true spiritual knowledge of God. They know the fear of God, and they, they, they testify, Thou art worthy. Worthy as a lamb that was slain. They see in Christ again, one who is worthy of praise, yet one who they fear in reverence, but yet one who is worthy of praise. God-fearers know God spiritually, and as such they delight in who God is, and their praise comes in connection with their knowledge of God. The knowledge of God brings about fear, but the same knowledge produces worship. So it's impossible for a God-fearer not to worship. Do you see the connection? The knowledge that brings about fear is the same knowledge that brings about worship. So that those who fear God will indeed praise God. 
because they've come to know God and delight in God. You see, worship is an important and a helpful diagnostic test for the heart. So important. You say you know God, so much that you come to fear God, but do you know God in such a way that it provokes worship? Is the Lord a, a delight to you? Do you rejoice in all the way he reveals himself in the word and in the world? Do you spontaneously, gladly praise his name in song and praise and thanksgiving? When you contemplate the character of God, does that provoke joy in your soul and gladness in your heart? You see, the absence of worship, the absence of spontaneous praise, our reluctance to sing God's praise in public is a sign of spiritual ill health. Again, we're seeing connections here. We've understood that the fear of God is it's at the very essence of true religion. And yet we're seeing that connection between the fear of God and the worship of God. Because the, the foundation of fear and worship is the same. It's a true knowledge of God. And therefore, those who are not worshipping... They don't know God in that spiritual sense. And thus they don't fear God. And thus it may well be the case that they're still in their sins. It's an important diagnostic test. Well, it may well be that there are those who, again, are backslidden in heart. And they, again, due to overwhelming remaining sin and coldness, they've lost that joy of the Lord. And so song does not come easily. And I understand there are various circumstances when song can be difficult in the house of God. But as a general rule, if the songs of Zion don't thrill your soul, that is a bad diagnostic test of your spiritual state. He said, well, I, I just can't sing. I, I have no voice to sing. Okay, well, then, then don't shout out loudly. Fine. Don't be a distraction. You may not sing loudly if you have no note at all in your head. But you should still be singing. Because you know our reluctance to sing God's praise because of the fear of man is putting the fear of man above the fear of God. And see, those who fear God praise God. They delight to praise God. And again, it's important we come to pray in the house of God here. We need to seek God's face that in his mercy he would stir up praise in our hearts for his name. That we'd not be slow to praise him, but delight to praise him out of the abundance and the overflowing joy of our souls, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. It's also worth noting that the fear of God not only does it involve a delight in God, it also involves a desire to obey the Lord. It's also part of this. So, so we're seeing here tonight that the fear of God it produces worship. Those who fear God will worship God. Firstly, because of a delight in God, but also because of a desire to obey God. We've seen that. The fear of God is that controlling attitude that wants to do what God wills, to please God. And commands to worship are a plenty in the Word of God. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. But the fear of God impacts our worship beyond moving us to come and sing. Okay, you're, you awake on a Sunday morning and you think to yourself, I really don't feel like getting to church today. 
And you think, well, but, but the Lord sees my heart. And the Lord, the Lord knows me. And I, I want to please the Lord. And so the fear of God drives you out of your home. And it brings you to the house of God. And by God's grace, he works upon you by his spirit. And you begin to worship. It does that. The fear of God, it brings us, it moves us to come and sing God's praise. And to pray and to enter into worship in the place of prayer also. But not only does the fear of God do that. It also moves us to sincerity in our worship. Not only the act of worship, but to sincerity in our worship. I want you to turn across to Isaiah 29, please. Isaiah 29, and the verse number 13. Now, this text is very well known as it's found in Matthew chapter 15. The Lord used it to rebuke the coldness and the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. It says, eh, 29:13, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips to honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. This is a really intriguing passage. See, what you're seeing here is the reference to their fear toward me is using the term fear as a reference to worship. That's how closely these ideas are connected. God can, he can put the word fear in as a term for their worship. To fear God is to worship God, but their fear is not sincere. Their fear is taught by man's precepts. Their fear is governed by man's will, not by God's will. And so what you're seeing here is that their fear, their worship is governed by man's precepts and it's led to hypocritical, insincere worship. But the implication is when there is true fear, that true fear is governed by the will of God. That true fear will in turn lead to heart sincerity in worship. If false fear by man's word leads to hypocrisy, true fear on God's word will lead to sincerity. That's the idea. And so it's true. Those who fear God, we are not content with simply the form of worship. We're not content with that. The external form impresses men. So you get somebody visiting, and let's say they're, they're, they're coming from a church, one of our other churches, and they're coming to visit on the Lord's Day, and they, they look at the form of our worship. They look at the Bible we use, and the readings we have, and the way we pray, and the songs we use, and how we sing. And they look at all that, and they say, well, these guys are doing a good job. Uh, the form of worship is not unimportant. We'll see it next week. The form is important. But the form can be present, and yet the form only impresses men, but not the Lord. Those who fear God, they know that God sees the heart. They understand, they discern that there is a potential for worship with the mouth and the lips God says, he sees the mouth, he hears from the lips, but he goes beyond that. And he's able to see the heart that is far removed from the Lord. And Christ also 
able to see our hearts. And so when we are aware of insincere worship, those who fear God, they detest insincere worship. They detest hypocritical praying and singing the praise of Zion with the lips and not with the heart. The fear of God governs. We don't want God to look in our hearts and see such insincerity and such hypocrisy. We want God to see our hearts and like Peter to say, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest my heart. Thou knowest I love thee. I'm not perfect. I have many issues. But when I praise your name, I'm doing so in sincerity and in truth. And so the fear of God, it governs again our burden for sincerity and worship. And when we're conscious that we are not serving God in truth, we repent of our sin. We get before God. It may be necessary before you sit under the preaching of the word of God and the Lord's day, you've got to quietly say to the Lord, Lord, I have sinned against thee again. I've taken your name in thee and I've worshipped you, but not in sincerity. Repent. Gospel sin. Seek the Lord. Seek the infilling of the Spirit of God. Seek that by God's grace we would know more and more of this joy. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. See, preacher, it's not good enough that we're here. It's not sufficient that we come here and we sing and we, we pray together. Is that not enough? If you believe that, you haven't read your Bible. God's desire is for our hearts. Give me thy heart. He wants our heart's devotion. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And by the fear of God, we do so. God, by his Spirit, puts his fear in our hearts. We come to delight in who God is. We delight to worship his name. And we desire to obey his precepts, including the obligation to bring genuine, sincere worship, worship in spirit and in truth, thus sincerely pleasing and praising the Lord our God. Again, these are serious things. It's not my desire to make you feel guilty unnecessarily, but it is to challenge my own heart. Do I fear God in such a way? Does the fear of God drive me in this regard? Do I really long to please the Lord in true sincerity? And of course, obedience requires the Spirit of God. We can never please God without the Spirit working in our souls. And to that end, we can pray tonight. We can pray for God to move in our church, to stir us up, to revive our hearts, to enable us to worship His name in spirit and in truth in the coming days. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. 
We preach Christ crucified.